Well, I should take a listen to what my son's been listening to. Make sure he's not putting any garbage in his head. Snatch drink up to listen to Star with the circle with a straw. Snap of see. Wait a minute, I think there's something evil in this music. Some hidden messages. Hail Satan! Welcome to Off the Film Path. Here we review and discuss movies that, for better or for worse, are less known to the general public. Today we are discussing 1987's The Gate. I'm Kyle. And I'm Sophia with the head cold. Oof, yeah. <coughs> it's bad, guys. Stay safe out there. Drink your vitamin C? I don't know. Or, like, whatever. I think they're saying D3 now is the is the thing. I don't fucking know. Now, Sophia, why did we watch this? Okay. All right, so th there's a story behind this. Let's see. What's the way I can get out of this with the least public embarrassment? Okay, so I had a Galentine's date where I went out with a friend of mine, and we saw a Broadway show, and afterwards we went to a nearby bar to have a couple of drinks. And this movie was playing on the TV in the bar, and it captured her attention in a way that drew my attention to it. I saw it. I was like, this is Buck Wild. What the hell is this? I thought it was Poltergeist at first. And the guy found, like, he dug through and found the name of it. And I looked at my friend and I said, hey, do you want to come on the podcast to talk about this movie? And long story short, she did not. But the die had been cast. I had already told Kyle this is what we were doing. Because I have a tendency to jump the gun a little bit. So that's why, in a nutshell, we're watching this movie. There's more to it than that, but that's what you need to know. Now, I don't watch anything remotely horror. The fact that we watched A Cure for Wellness is almost beyond me. Yeah, but this wasn't really horror. Right. What I was going to say, though, is having seen this, I understand the appeal of schlock horror. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I do want to also say that this might be, I, I checked actually, this is the oldest movie we've reviewed so far. This oh, is, sure. as far as I know, as far as I know, this is the only movie we've reviewed so far that was made and released and fell out of whatever popularity it had before you were born. Yeah. And I think it might be one of two on the list. The other oh, world. Yeah. We'll eventually watch UHF, the Weird Al movie. Oh, no. We'll also have THX 1138. Yes. Which predates Star Wars, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Star Wars was George Lucas's comeback after THX 1138. Where did American Graffiti fit in there? I don't Even recall. Earlier? I think it was before that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, exciting stuff to look forward to, guys. Yeah. We don't do all that many old ass movies because they make me feel so incredibly old. I also find it hard to gauge obscurity because, like, I only know how much do I know now. Yeah. So that's going to be a curious thing at the end. Yes. Now, you did some research for this movie, and I'm sure it'll come up. I did a brief amount because this is what really tickled my fancy. 
You want to know what the budget for this movie was? Oh, make it hurt. This was 2.5 million Canadian dollars, which is about 1.9 million USD. No, this wasn't. I'm assuming that's 1987 money because of how IMDb lists things. That's my <laughs> assumption, which means oh my god, 1.9 million in 1987 USD is uh-huh. today equivalent to 4.8 million dollars. Yeah, this was not a 4.8 million dollar movie. I assumed this was made with 500 dollars. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Two thousand. Yeah, I was about to say there are there are a lot of costumes that needed to be made for this. Yes, <laughs> but a single million? How? <laughs> yeah, like this was not a million dollar movie. Not in nineteen eighty seven. Not today. Do you happen to know what it took in at the box office? I looked this up. It not terrible, which is truly shocking. And let me get the exact number. While you're doing that, I want to share the tagline for this stupid fuck-off movie. They're here, and they want to meet the neighbors. Listener, to be clear, the neighbors never appear in this movie. None of them do. You've got to be shitting me. What? It's worldwide gross. Thirteen and a half million. <laughs> Holy shit! Okay, so this is a commercial success. It's opening weekend. 4.2 million. Jesus Christ. What? 80s were a weird time, I guess. Did we watch the same movie? They were all busy being high on, would it be Coke in the 80s? So much Coke. And doing the electric slide. They were like, fuck yeah, let's go. I love seeing a young Steven Dorf. We're still about a decade out from him being in Blade. Let's go. A decade? My dude. Actually, I guess it would be about a decade, wouldn't it? Blade was late 90s, right? Something like that. Yeah, that would be about a decade. So, I guess that makes sense. It put him about 22 for Blade. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Yeah, so, and Steven Dorff was the only person to have a follow-on career from this movie, I believe you told me. That's about what I'm seeing. It's maybe... Bit roles here and there. Like, the parents? Yeah. But, like, Terry didn't, and Al didn't. Yeah. But there's a reason for that. And, I, you know what? Do we want to get into that now or do we just want to do a synopsis and then we can talk about all this bullshit later? I think I think we should at least mention it, prefigure it a little bit because otherwise, yeah. you know, it's going to be a thing. Okay. This movie is a – this is me speaking to both you, Kyle, and you, the audience, saying, know my pain. Because when I was a kid, see, I didn't have the benefit of a Jewish upbringing. I was raised the wrong kind of evangelical. I was raised to be a fucking psycho evangelical. And my youth group leader was one of those fucking psycho evangelicals who believed whatever anyone with a clergy position told him. So, of course, he believed in like backmasking and there were like satanic messages in modern rock music in the late 90s when that, you know, the whole satanic panic thing was a big deal for him. So, this was me expressing my trauma onto you, the people, saying, yes, this is the shit that I had to watch when I was in church. Now, shall we get into it? One last piece before we start, because it's not really relevant. I believe there's one actual musician I remember reading about who backmasked. I mean, I'm sure a couple did. Who? And that was either Weird Al or Monty Python. I don't quite remember, but they hid 
some messages backwards to just mess with people. This was literally never a thing that was seriously done. This was all conspiracy theory bullshit that was thought up by some dudes who were looking at the 80s and like the cynicism of the Cold War era and were, you know, seeing that religion was starting to fall out of popularity and decided to start a panic about it and created Satanists out of whole cloth who were, I don't know, sacrificing their families and in themselves because, I don't know, Alice Cooper played backwards, said Hail Satan or something. Yeah. It was a very stupid time to live. It's not backmasking exactly, but the end of, like, I think every It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode <laughs> has audio that's played backwards. And it's like, the it's the three guys, I believe, mostly talking about browning out. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I'm good. But it's like... Yeah, that, sometimes people do reverse audio, but it's never like, I'm going to indoctrinate you. <laughs> yeah, it's always a joke because mm. it was always a joke. Like, it was a bit that people who were too stupid to know they were being played didn't catch. All right, proper, <laughs> we're going to be here forever if we don't start this thing. Let's Truly. Go. The intro credits tell me, oh, this movie is going to fuck severely <laughs> in the worst way possible. Like, it's going to be such a train wreck. Let's fucking go. I Okay, I want you to keep the phrase, this movie is going to fuck severely. I want you to keep that in the very <laughs> forefront of your mind because hang on a second. All right, so we enter into this, like, if you've ever seen an 80s horror movie, you know this kind of theme tune. It's very high-pitched. It's like, you know, it's got a little bit of bells in it, but it's mostly like really, really high-pitched violin. It's sad and creepy and scary a little bit. And this kid is walking into his house and nobody's there. So then he goes to his treehouse and nobody's there. And the treehouse gets struck by lightning in the middle of a clear ass day, which immediately turns to dark. This movie fucking sucks. Yes. <laughs> the camera work is wild. The zooms are crazy. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> I said, hey, kid, your family got raptured. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, like, that is seriously, like, a thing that you think might actually have happened. But then, yeah, it's just a trauma dream. He wakes up, and he's fine. He's in his bed, and, like, he has his family around. But the tree did get struck by lightning, which is weird. And they're currently digging It was a it dream. Up. Or was it? Mm, it was. <laughs> it super was. <laughs> it gets him, because this tree was quite large, they, have they like, have some people clearing it this doesn't super matter but there's a weird zoom on the chainsaw as it's going i was like what the fuck is happening so this was before we learned how to do close-ups <laughs> well yeah. this fucking guy learned how to do close-ups anyway so yeah the, the tree gets removed and you know like the like the dwarves of moria they dug a little too deep and unleashed yeah. an ancient evil but we don't know that yet Fly, you fools. Actually, that kind of that kind of comes in at the end. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of, of uh, live analysis in this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. But he finds a sick geode. I was like, that looks sick as hell. Yeah. It's a this giant geode. Like, so normally you get a geode. They generally range in size from about, you know, grapefruit size to like the big ones might be roughly football size. You can get ones that are bigger, but those are typically pretty rare. This is about the size of a basketball. You could see them in museums. Yeah. 
And so we are introduced to his shitty friend, Andy Dick, moonlighting as a child actor. So our main kid, his name is Glenn. This is Terry. This is Terry. Terry looks like if you took all the kids from Stand By Me and put them into one kid. Yeah. So this is why I mentioned like this movie fucks severely because the reason we don't see Andy Dick anymore is because, well, he fucks severely and criminally, <laughs> as it turns out. They're like digging in this hole and like Glenn hurts himself. I go, what? Did you stick your hand in some Halloween candy? How the fuck did you get a needle in your hand? <laughs> oh, seriously. Okay. There is so much paranoia in the 80s that nobody knew like what to like they didn't want to say oh this is cold war paranoia because that would be ridiculous why would you be so paranoid about just another country 6000 miles away well the answer is kind of religion and it shows in the other kinds of panic that that you know panic was manifest in for example the satanic panic also random people trying to give your kids drugs for reasons I don't know anybody who is going to give their injectables to kids or like put needles in it that they could use to inject drugs into kids' candy. That's fucking stupid. The like one or two times that actually came up, it was the parent of the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Whatever. Getting hell. Terry's a little shitty ass kid. To be fair, he's messed up because his mom had died recently. Yeah, we don't know that yet, though. Oh, that's right. And, like, Glenn's dad is kind of a dickhead, too. So we kind of, like, smash cut a little bit to, to Glenn and his family at dinner. And the first line of diet... Sorry, go ahead. I need to point out two things. One of them sets up a joke I made later. Okay, go for it. Terry, like, captures, like, moths or bees or something, puts them in a jar and is, like, bothering him. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, kid? There are no holes in that jar yeah. either so he's suffocating them fucking ridiculous the other thing i said uh, now that i've said the budget for this movie this joke doesn't work but i'm gonna say it anyway this movie apparently did not have the budget for more than three people in a scene at any given time the the blocking is so bonkers it's like they have to specifically make sure there's never more than two characters so that like if you're not in the scene you might as well not be on set like that's what it felt like <laughs> it was blocked such that like, it felt surreal. Like, it didn't feel like a real thing. So, right. So, we're introduced to Glenn's dad, who's also kind of shitty, but in a, an 80s dad kind of way, where he's, his opening line, his line in this fucking movie is, I don't know, I think it's just irresponsibility. And you're like, fuck are you talking about, man? And they're, what they're talking about in front of the concerned characters, by the way, is... The idea of leaving for a vacation, a thing that back in the 80s parents would do, is they go on vacation without their kids. Wild. So, yeah. So, Glenn has an older sister. This is Alexandra, also known as Al, a name which she does not like. Yet persists through basically the whole movie. Never hear her preferred name, except for that one time. But, yeah, basically... The, the thing that dad is saying is like, no, I don't want to leave you, Glenn, alone with Al because eh, I think she's irresponsible. And you're irresponsible. But also, so Al's, pro I'd say, about 12. Yep. Sorry, no, Glenn is about 12. Al, 16 or 17? 16. I think she says at one point she's 16. Yeah. So, like, 
Yeah, that kind of makes sense that maybe they shouldn't be completely unattended. I was babysitting my brothers and sister at 16. Oh. But, hey, what do I know? Listen, they can have... I do think, like, a 16-year-old can have a lot of freedom. But also... There's limit. Maybe have one person check in once a day. Yeah. Whatever. I feel like that's reasonable. So, yeah, we're never going to get through this fucking movie. I swear to Christ. All right, so... We also find out approximately here that Glenn is obsessed with, you know, model rocketry, which is cool. It's fine. You do tend to learn one way or another that under the stoop is a bad place to launch a rocket. (laughs) So that's sort of why Glenn doesn't really have access to his model rockets anymore. And also why the parents are not psyched on the idea of leaving them alone with Glenn in Al's care. They ultimately decide, though, that they're not going to have someone watch their kids. They're going to trust Al. And as they leave, they say, no parties. Immediate cut to a party. It's just 80s shit. I mean, this was, this was like Uncle Buck did this fucking, this was in like not another teen movie. This was in 10 Things I Hate About You. God, I love not another teen movie. (laughs) Yeah, it was so bad. Oh, I'm going to be so high. I don't even know what a phone is. Amazing. So, yeah, there is a party and it is a lame high school ass party. And obviously because Glenn is probably late elementary school, early middle school, he's not really supposed to be down with the party. And they're telling scary stories. Also, Glenn is trying to... Fuck around with the geode. Oh, they found another geode, right? Or no, no, it's the same one? geode. It's the same one. Okay. Yeah. They're trying to like crack it open, I guess. It's got a thick hide. So yeah, Glenn and Terry are trying to crack this geode open, and they're not having a whole lot of luck with it. So Terry gets using, up. I think they're using a hammer and a screwdriver. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, but one of them gets real frustrated, just smacks it with the hammer, and it cracks open. There we go. Two. A strange glow. The cutting edge of special effects from the 80s. (laughs) Yeah, this is supposed to be ominous and foreboding, and it comes across as hilarious. This looks like a fucking nightclub spotlight with a fucking film filter over it. And they happen to have some toy next to it it's one of those things where like there's a lot of like little ferris pellets and you can use a magnet to arrange them oh yeah yeah and it writes some like stuff onto this this magnet board and it's okay okay i know a little more about magic than i probably should and it's fairly consistent that like the words that you use in an incantation don't make a whole lot of sense so these words don't make a whole lot of sense. They're nothing. They're just mouth sounds. Mm-hmm. But this, I think, is about the time where they decide, you know what? I think I want some pizza. So they go downstairs and hang out in the kitchen and watch the party. Speaking of major witchy vibes, it is the point in the party where the scary stories give way to the one witchy girl who's like, what if we were to try levitating? This for sure isn't, but she looks like Kristen Shaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got those vibes, yeah. So, according to her, and this is an amazing cop-out, the key is group concentration. 
And if it fails, it's because somebody wasn't concentrating hard enough. Amazing cop-out. Cult Not work. one person could blame themselves for that. Amazing. So they like try to levitate the jock. Like this this movie has a stereotypical jock for like two minutes. And they try to <laughs> they try to levitate him and it doesn't work because he's fucking beefcake. So they they see the kid and they're like, hey, dude, come here. And they try to levitate him. And it works. But like drinking fizzy lifting drinks in Willy Wonka's factory. He starts freaking out as he goes up because he can't get down. <laughs> yep. And this sends him flying into the wall where he grabs an installed light and rips it out of the wall. And everybody's just like, okay, all right, well, we'll move on from this. I'm just like, no, no, you do not get to pretend like that did not just happen. What the fuck is wrong with you? Glenn is understandably upset by this. So he is like crying. And then because people saw him cry, he's like embarrassed and runs out. It's like, None of this is reacting as anyone would. Yeah. I mean, like, I, yeah, I don't know. This is this is a silly movie. <laughs> On second thought, let's not go. It's a silly <laughs> place. We actually had that conversation about this movie specifically. This was before <laughs> either of us actually watched it all the way through. Hey, it's nighttime. There's a bunch of shadows moving around. It's creepy. At some point, Terry gets up answers the door and it's his dead mom and i was like oh terry's gonna get murdered yeah so (sighs) this should be common sense to people and i don't know how this manages not to be common sense but like you know your mom's dead if you see her walking around that's pretty spry behavior for a dead woman maybe don't interact maybe that's a bad idea but he dances with his mom i guess is how you would say that yeah, I think another way to put that is strangles the goddamn dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, so he, he, he absolutely kills the dog on accident. But the others don't see that because he starts screaming and like drops the dog and everybody comes out and, and sees him just like over the dog. I'm like, ah, 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 ah. like, he didn't just strangle the dog. Yeah. But the next day they're like, well, that was fucking weird. Guess we'll move on with our lives. Nobody in this movie reacts like the situation is actually happening. No. But Terry goes home and we learn his dad's a bum. Yeah. At best, his dad works a lot. At worst, he's neglectful and is like, I don't know, probably turning tricks on the corner. (laughs) No shame. Sex work is work. Yeah. So that's an establishing for Terry that we'll get back to in a second. We come back to Glenn and Al. Glenn says, hey, what did you do with the dog? And Al says, don't worry about it. I'm like, you have made me worry so much more about this dog now. Yeah, like, okay, if I ask you, hey, what'd you do with that body? And you go, don't worry about it. I, No, I think I need to. But I also understand the impulse to be like, shut up, you're 12. Yeah, that's, that's also fair. <laughs> so from here, Al decides, well, you know what? I'm going to go to the mall with my shitty friends. The 80s were a very weird time to kids. I know most of you weren't alive in the 80s. Aunt Sophia is going to tell you a little bit about the 80s. There was a thing in the 80s called peer pressure. It's when three people with a flock of seagulls haircut would come up to you and say, (laughs) hey, the cool thing to do would be to spend your entire day walking around the mall with me. Everybody's going to be there. Everybody. Which, this was, again, before that was, you know, 
and I, I've made this joke in other places, but like that was before that was when this was like an enticement and not a dire warning. <laughs> so like that's where we kind of are in time. Yeah. Sophia, you know that peer pressure still exists. It just changes forms. Now people are like, hey, you got to watch these teenagers have sex and do drugs. It's called euphoria. Mm. Look. Listen, Zendaya gives me life. <laughs> yeah, so the mall. They're wanting to go to the mall later, I guess, the beach. So I'm having trouble keeping those straight. Yeah. But we cut from there back to Terry's. And Terry's listening to some music. He's jamming out in his room. <sighs> okay. Terry is one of those metalheads. The really embarrassing, cringy ones. You know the type. They listen to a genre of metal that places an emphasis on, uh, shall we say, themes of epic fantasy. Like if Rush did metal music. <laughs> that one hit for you? <laughs> that one, it took me a second. It was a sleeper, but I got there. <laughs> so, yeah. So he's listening to this stupid fucking metal and they're telling this really dumb story and like that what were you i don't even know what you call that it's almost like a soliloquy in the middle of a song yeah anyway it's about like this this stupid story about like old gods who like were demons and they were banished and you know they'll come back and ha 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 it's very anticlimactic yeah but it also talks about like how to summon them i guess like something in the lyrics makes terry go wait a minute something sounds familiar yeah i don't know exactly what it was but okay so not that not the song lyrics made him like go like or, or something in the song lyrics kind of sparked in his head yes. but like that's not what told him how to summon the the demons right kids before <laughs> itunes before you could buy music on your computer and never have to hold a physical object Things like we had records and we had CDs and eventually MP3 players, but oh, cassettes. I forgot cassettes. Fuck, remember those? Jesus, you couldn't. Yeah, you, they were dead by the time you were born or they were on their way out. Yeah, they were dying, not quite dead. So a lot of times, depending on the artist, they would have some album art, but it was like printed on a thing. And sometimes the lyrics would be on the thing and they would fold it up and stick it in the front of the CD cassette, whatever record case. And that is exactly what he's flipping through looking at the, the lyrics and like the, the supplementary material to this one weird album. Yeah. I wrote the, is this song just telling us the whole fucking plot of the movie? And yes, yes it is. Yeah. So for those who, who don't follow me on Twitter, I live tweeted like a spoiler free live reaction to this movie. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, so at this point you can turn the movie off because you've got it figured out. They basically just told you everything. Yep. We jump back to Glenn and Al. None of that really matters because it's more just like Glenn saying, I want to call our parents. Something freaky is going on. And Al's like, absolutely fucking not. And her friends are being dicks to him. Yeah, her but friends are <laughs> terrible for Boy George and fucking, I don't know, who's another 80s musician? George Michael? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, her friends are essentially Boy George and George Michael. So, like, I don't know where they get off being shitheads, but there you go. <laughs> I wrote in quick succession, wow, these people are unnecessarily mean to little Glenn. And then, actually, Glenn is homophobic. Hashtag cancel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hate children. That said, 
Glenn's got some barbs. If he can stay away from the slurs, he's he's got yeah. he's got barbs. This movie does have a few slurs, which is <laughs> yeah. unfortunate. Say lovey. But they're slurs for gay people, so like they barely count. That's me being sarcastic, people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gay. I hate that shit. There's also one other one that eh, I don't. We'll get there. I have a thing about this. Yeah. But we'll get there. We see this like pit that's in his backyard. It's smoking. And part of me is like, yeah, light that shit on fire. No way that can go wrong. There's that that pit in, I might be Russia actually, that like was leaking gas. And they're like, oh, we'll just burn it off. But it's been burning for like 40 years now. I think it's like Tajikistan. Okay. But yeah, yeah, I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like Turkmenistan. Turkmenistan. But yeah, so essentially, yes, it's a it's a crater that like opened up and started leaking natural gas and like in order to not poison the entire earth, they set it on fire and it's been burning for forty years. Hilarious. Yeah, so that 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 fucking that's a thing that happened. Yeah. I don't remember I think Glenn goes over to Terry's. Yeah, and Terry tries to to, you know, point out the connection between the music and the creepy shit that's been happening, and Glenn is justifiably skeptical. <laughs> Terry goes, "It's all written here, and it, it's called the Dark Book." I was like, "Ooh, the Dark Book! That's the best you could come up with. Come on!" So yeah, so apparently this metal band was from Europe, which makes them more credible because they're you know foreign, but the right kind of foreign, not like Russian, and. They made this one album, and then they all died in a plane crash. I was like, ZZ Top? Or, not ZZ Top. For sure not ZZ Top. Sweet Home Alabama. Leonard Skinner? Leonard Skinner. All right. Leonard Skinner? The pitch for this movie is, what if we took a creepypasta and made it a movie? Oh, my God. Yeah. This, uh, yep, yep. But, I mean, they already did that, because, I mean, the Slender Man's a thing. So, like. This was oh, that? did Slender Man come out before 1987? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, but also <laughs> the internet came out shortly before 1987. The internet had been a thing that was not like a DARPA lab thing for like two years at this point. Oh, here's where we get the back masking. Yeah, so this little dipshit actually plays the record backwards. <sighs> Kids, during the 80s, there was a thing called the Satanic Panic. In we which- talked about this we- already were we recording when we did that the very top of the episode oh yeah i don't have to explain that shit fuck yeah all right so yeah this was a thing yeah so they played this thing backwards and like there was like i am so sick right now oh my god so yeah it plays like it's supposed to play like instructions on how to to banish these these demon gods there's nothing there's nothing of course there's nothing because backmasking is not a thing we get a little little thing that I thought was ridiculous. One of Al's shitty fucking friends apparently took the dead dog and was going to take it to, like, animal control to dispose of it. Which, like, I guess, sure. I, I honestly don't know how you get rid of dead pets. Yeah. I mean, I assume you bury them. I think modernly, you're usually taking them to a vet to be put down to try and do, like, a humane thing. And then the vet, like, offers that as a service, so the pet owner doesn't see any of it. Fair enough. So, I have no clue. But, animal control's closed, so he's like, fuck, what do I do now? Goes back to the house, and apparently decides to just, like, throw the dog in the pit. (sighs) At this point, 
Yeah. At this point, it needs to be said that according to the dark book, jerk off motion, there needs to be one sacrifice to summon the demons and then two human sacrifices to solidify their presence in our realm. Yeah. There's a few other things that have already happened, like blood, where Glenn had cut his hand, or something with the levitation? Like, all ritual, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Blood opens the door, the sacrifice lets them through, and then the two human sacrifices allow them to stay. But Glenn and Terry also found instructions on how to seal them away. So they go back to the pit, and they decide to do this, and this made me say, oh, this is like a very Christian movie. It was at this point... Well, no, it was at the back. It was at the back masking thing where I was like, "Okay, so this is a, this is a this is a church PSA. This is some shit you show to a youth group to convince them that rock music is Satan." They were too late, I guess, because all the requirements got met, unbeknownst to them. It's no good banishing a demon if they're already here, I guess. Yeah, they're. Oh my god, I don't remember what this was in reference to someone says demons won't ring the doorbell and i made the joke just because they're evil doesn't mean they don't have manners i vaguely remember that but like this this fucking movie okay the pacing in this movie is insane the first like we're not all the way we're not 45 minutes through this movie and it's just been domestic drama is the most action that's happened here with the exception of the levitation thing which was kind Mm -hmm. of weird i guess Al had some friends over for a sleepover now after their oh, long yeah, day. Yeah. They're, they're Here's a great insult, what I described as a great insult off between Glenn and these the Lee sisters. All right. So one of these Lee sisters is someone who I will be referring to as Boy George because her hairstyle is exactly that. And I'm never, ever going to call her anything else. So You don't need to. <laughs> I hate, I hate. When kids swear, not because I find it like untoward or anything, but they're bad at it. So this is the second instance of the slur. All right. So this is the gay slur, the F word, the three letter F word. That means gay. The way you absolutely do not use that slur is off. That's not a thing. That's not how you do that. I hate it when kids swear. They're so bad at it. Drove me nuts. I was like, I had to pause the movie and walk away from it at that point. I was like, oh, okay, all right. You could have just said blowing each other or something. Instead, you had to work in the fucking slur the yeah. wrong way. I think we also got the R slur here. Oh, yeah, that's right. Classy. Awful. I get that we're building suspense, but this is a, a halfway through the movie, and yeah. we have not had a single sight of a demon. I was like, come on. <laughs> Oh, oh, but, oh, but, buddy, oh, buddy boy, just you wait. Just I wait. So worth it. So worth it. (laughs) But it's night, they're asleep. I was like, finally, a shadow. A lot of stuff is happening. There's these, this jar of moths on Glenn's windowsill that bursts. And I go, great. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Sorry. There had been, they disappeared. That was some weird magic thing. This time, the window burst and moths came in. And I go, great, now he's going to become Mothman. Yeah. That's a Batman joke. (laughs) (laughs) So, nice. So, he runs out of his room and goes to grab Al. And I 100% expected, and good on this movie for subverting my expectations, I expected the window hadn't actually burst and he was delusional. But when he grabs Al and brings her back to his room, 
The window had, in fact, burst, and there were a lot of moths on the ground. Fucking Terry is just sleeping through all this. Gotta get his eight hours. Nobody Gotta gonna interrupt sleep. Terry's sleep. Beauty sleep is important. Or it would be if that was Terry. Yeah, so while they're trying to rouse Terry to see if like he saw what happened, Terry comes in behind them and is like, what are you guys talking about? And I was like, I paused, I was, and one of the tweets that I get, I, I react, I let my live reaction was like, uh-oh, time for a jump scare. And eh, not really, but also, yeah, kind of. It was a scare, but not a jump scare. Yeah. The dog. It was the dog. They that was absolutely out. fucked. Yeah. What was the guy? The guy, uh, the godfather, where like he woke up with a horse head in his bed. Oh, that guy didn't matter, so I don't quite remember <laughs> his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they basically they do a that. So yeah, the dead dog is in the guy's is in the guy's sleeping bag, and they all freak out, and then uh, uh, arms reach out from under the bed and grab them. But like all the demons in this movie, uh, they kind of suck. So their grip strength isn't quite up to par, and they easily escape the room. Yeah, it's for the best that we only saw the arms. I don't know what you're talking about because. I would have paid so much more money to see what those costumes look like at full, like, non-force perspective. Right, that's the other thing, is, like, I don't... We will see them in just a minute. They're little dudes, probably about a foot tall, maybe. They're so small! So I'm like, where the fuck... What the fuck were these arms from? They're not the demons. I don't know. I guess they were just arms. If If you've ever had sleep paralysis, you are familiar with this feeling. Sometimes arms are just arms. Oh, They pull you down into hell because that's sleep paralysis. They run to the door and it's the parents, apparently? Yeah, and then, okay, they say, and this this starts off with, with his mom, who normally talks like this because it's the 80s and every woman sounds exactly like this. Her line is, You've been bad! Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Jesus. Hey, rock on. Honestly, that sounds like a better time than spending heaven with a whole bunch of evangelicals. Mm, cut that. Cut that. Leave it in, coward. <laughs> Leave it in, coward. <laughs> anyway, the dad's, like, face melts or, like, bursts or something. It's nasty. So, yeah, he, like, kind of, like, barely baby scratches his face and it just fucking explodes in this like a zit that is too big and it's just everywhere disgusting awful and everybody is watching this this isn't something that's just happening to him and you're like is he faking this is he like delusional is is this actually happening and nobody can tell no everybody's watching and screaming terry says something that's like oh it must be the demons we have to do this it's like oh you read one book and you think you're the fucking expert (laughs) and then he has that cocky like I'm the expert in a thriller movie attitude the entire movie. Well, almost the entire movie. Almost. So help me out. Where do we go from here? I don't know, man. They're running around the house getting scared and shit. Yeah. Oh, but they they go out to the hole because they're like, oh, we know a way to seal it. We got to read from the book, from the Bible. Because <laughs> they hate the yeah, Bible. Oh, 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 okay. So the lights go out and the the two fucking... Boy George and, and sister are there. <laughs> and they're freaking out and they're like, We need we need light. So Al reaches under the counter and pulls out two candles. And I was like, Oh, it's Shabbos, okay. 
And then they go down into the basement and pull out a Bible from the desk room. Like, oh, not Shabbos. Okay. And they start reading. Terry keeps inching closer and closer to the hole and Clint's like, hey, take a step back. And Terry's like, no, I'm doing my thing. Shut up. I know what I'm doing. And hot take. Terry deserves to fall down the hole. <laughs> yeah, he does. Okay. So this is not like a spiritual gateway in the traditional sense. It's a hole. It's a big fuck off hole. He falls down. He hits the bottom. It's so funny to me that it's it's not a different dimension. It's just a moderately deep hole. <laughs> yeah. And out of several parallel holes come these like tiny little demons. And okay, fun fact, these are full-size dudes in full-size costumes shot in forced perspective. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yes. And it's actually reasonably well done. So, <sighs> yeah. So... Obviously, these being like little midget demons, they're ugly, but also kind of cute. Yeah. And they pop out, they pop out of the hole, and one like jumps on his leg, and he's like, hi? And then it bites him, he's like, oh, these aren't friends. They get him out, uh, that's a harrowing experience, and they seal the gate, they finish reading, and they seal the gate. And I was like, cool. We still got 20 minutes, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it only gets just buck wild from here. So they go back upstairs, only to find that the, or no, the, the demons are chasing them through the yard. And like they close, okay, this is why I remembered this part. So like they slam the door on the demons, but one of them gets his little arm through the, through the door frame before they slam it. And it falls off and it turns into sperm and wiggles underneath the door. I mean, in likelihood slugs, but yeah, sperm. Same thing. I know. It's foul. So yeah, we find that not only do these demons kind of suck at being demons, they're also not invincible. Not, not really like spiritual beings, so much as just little dudes who spend too much time underground. Yeah, I go, I guess fuck the Lee sisters, because they're nowhere to be found. But it turns out they were just hiding. Yeah, because, I mean, oh, oh! When they went out to seal the, the, the portal... Terry was talking about how it requires two human sacrifices to, to keep them here. And they were like, they looked at each other and they were like, oh, we're the bitches. We're going to get sacrificed. Uh, <laughs> so they were like, you know, you don't need us for this. And like they fuck off back inside, which honestly, fairly reasonable reaction, all things considered. But yeah, Terry, Terry gives the best line read of the movie, my heroes. Amazing. Again, he's got he's got this like smug I'm the expert here thing going on for the rest of this movie. We also get what is arguably the real danger of the movie. Straight white men <laughs> who these are Al's quote unquote friends. I don't know when they got into the house, but they were hiding in a closet and jumped out to be like, surprise. They had beer. So, you know, at least they brought booze. Mm -hmm. But then the Lee sisters were like, oh, we invited them. And. Al's like, well, maybe you should all leave. Fine. And they do. Again, like nothing weird is happening. Are these people in a domestic drama or are these people in a horror movie? Make up your mind. Yeah. What happened was they didn't have the budget to pay these actors for any more time. So they go, hey, leave. Yeah. Hey, that's good. I like that. <laughs> it ends up not being true because they had four fucking million dollars, which they made back on opening weekend. God damn. Anyway. <laughs> Insane. Earlier in the movie, Terry apparently said that 
when Glenn's house was built, a worker died and the other workers just hit him in the walls. <laughs> and apparently that's true because one just jumps out and grabs t- one. The guy jumps out and grabs Terry. <laughs> yeah. Grabs Terry, brings him back into the wall. That's a hard rap on Terry. Wait for it. Yeah. I would have loved it if this was completely unrelated. Yeah, just everybody's sick of Terry being smug, so he just gets got. No, I meant Amazing. like, we sealed the demons. Yeah, that threat's taken care of. But now we have this de- this zombie uh, yeah. worker. The demons accidentally pissed off the ghosts, and so now they're mad. Maybe we need to get Mothra to fight Godzilla for us. We could hardly do worse, is all I'm saying. Some shit like that. Oh my god. Anyway, it turns out... It seemed like the demons had been sucked back into the underground when they sealed the gate, but apparently not quite. There's still some that are hanging out. Yeah, and as we learn when they hit this guy, this this like dead worker with just random shit, like they hit him once in the face, he falls over and becomes these a bunch of these tiny little demons who then fuck off. Or no, they like they do this first smart thing, they actually leave the room, which they had their backs to the door, that was always an option. They finally leave the room, and the the demons try to like bust through the door. At this point, the main demon awakens. I guess. Can I say something? Go for it. It's fun. It's so funny of a shot. Like if you look at it metatextually, because like you see, it looks like a second floor looking through the banister, and it kind of just does a still, and then you see all these demons come out. It's like, oh, you were setting up a green screen shot. It's yeah. so funny. And this 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 mass of flesh pops up from this hole that is opened in the living room. This fucking if you remember Beetlejuice, like the way they they remodeled the how the renovated the house, it looks like that. So like the Beetlejuice ass house, this just like mound of flesh that kind of unfurls into this massive demon. I'm just like, where's the Doom Slayer? <laughs> So this was the point where my live tweet reaction was, Doom Slayer's a punk. Since the other demons are like one foot tall, I was really hoping that the king demon would be like four foot two, like objectively yeah. taller than the other demons, but still like a short king by human standards. No, nah, he's about 25 feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> and... I think at this point they've taken Al as well. So they yeah, now have they, their they two also, human Yeah, sacrifices. they get their two human sacrifices. Oh, no, not quite. Not quite. Because Terry's back. Briefly. Kind of. Oh, my so, fucking God. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Okay. All right. Milo Yiannopoulos got canceled for saying this was a good thing. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. So they run down to grab dad's shotgun from the closet. And they're in the closet. They're in the closet. And another builder pops out of the wall. A weird man with inscrutable desires pops out of the wall. And there's a fight in the closet. And then, like, as they're reaching for the shotgun inside the gun case, surprise, it's Terry, sort of. (laughs) And he bites Glenn. And this was the point where I tweeted, oh, yeah, there's the Andy Dick we know and love. It's crazy. So for whatever reason, he has like rat-like teeth, it looks like. But also, he's not biting down, really. Like he's got 
Glenn's hand in his mouth, but from there, he's like, no, it's staying right here, and he's making eye contact, which tells me you're not interested in causing pain, you're interested in causing terror. Yeah. So they manage to to fight off the weird, inscrutable man and get out of the closet. They came out of the closet, you might say. Mm-hmm. And Are you trying to say something? We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. And so now the the Demon King emerges, and, and we've already covered most of this. Al gets taken by the, the man in the closet. So Glenn goes upstairs. Glenn goes upstairs while the whole thing is like coming apart. The Demon King is like staring at him. And like there's this moment where they're like, are they going to do the thing where they like develop an understanding? The Demon King grabs one of his hands with one of his like eight arms and like holds him there for a second just staring at him like they're making a connection. And then lets go of the hand and fucks off for a minute, only to find out, oh shit, there's an eyeball in the middle of Glenn's hand now. Don't know what that's about. Don't worry about it. That was bad. Like that whole sequence was baffling. Also, Glenn is going to get the model rocket because something, something that will defeat him. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, Okay, so apparently the thing from the metal album is that like the Demon King can only be defeated by a weapon of true love and light. And it reminded Glenn of like when Al got him this rocket, she had signed it like love and light Al. I totally forgot all of that. I was just like, I guess they're using, like they had set up the rocket really well. Like this was one of the best parts of the movie was this rule of threes on the rocket. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they did, they did do that. Like there was a really good rule of threes with the rocket and it's this big, stupid, like ugly ass rocket, but he sets it up. And he launches it through the Demon King, and it passes through him. And Glenn's like, yeah, die! And the Demon King's like, nah. It just kind of, like, swats at him or something. And then kind of dies. Yeah, but then he explodes, and as he explodes and, like, basically blows up the house, Glenn gets flung from the house, and this is a 12 out of 10 special effect. <laughs> oh, oh, I almost forgot the other Cronenberg-ass scene. Glenn stabs the eyeball that's in the middle of his hand. Why? I don't know what that's about. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just there to be gross. Cronenberg was getting big at the time. Yeah. Videodrome, all that. Then we're basically done. They're like, how are we going to explain this to our parents? Cut to credits, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, the dog came back to life, which I was like, mm. As did Terry and Al. So, hooray. The only thing that's actually permanently wrecked is the house. Which is billowing smoke. Yeah. Roll credits. Roll credits. Fuck, this movie sucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to go first? Yeah, I got some things. A very easy reading on this, I think, is around death and grief. Because this movie might actually be about Terry and Terry's problems. Because <laughs> he's getting over his grieving mother, turns to metal music to help him. And... Yeah, I mean, well, that's what begets having your mother die, I suppose. Death sucks, and sometimes it makes you summon demons, I guess. The death of nuclear family leads to demons. That's what this movie is saying, because it is extremely Honestly, I'm, I'll buy that. Like, that sounds, that sounds like a legit analysis. Like, I know you're kind of, like, half-joking, but, like, yeah, sure. So, I brought this up before we started recording. I had a film class in college called Apocalypse in Film, and it covered a lot of different stuff. 
One of the movies we watched was called A Thief in Time, Thief in which was night. an extremely Christian movie that basically was the Revelations apocalypse. Yeah. And that movie is very similar, at very least in technology, to this movie. But in that class, we had to give presentations on like our interpretations of Apocalypse or whatever. Mine ended up being that like Apocalypse as an allegory for a broken family. Because a bunch of yep. Apocalypse media splits up families. Like, even if there weren't a deeper meaning, because it's just easy to get pain from that and motivation, or at very least backstory, there's enough that it's like, oh, you could interpret the apocalypse as like seeing the destruction of the family unit. So in this way, Terry's mom dying is akin to demons on earth. So interestingly enough, I have something related. If you remember the episode where we talked about Butter, The movie about Iowa. I briefly talked, I I quoted a little bit from Judith Butler on the idea of lives worth living and deaths worth mourning and how that fits into queer lives. So what we're seeing here to me is like from like a very, very obvious reading is that we're watching, you know, two people grow up and things are happening that they don't understand. And there's some very heavy-handed metaphor in it. But similar to how when you lose a person by whom you construct a portion of your personality through that relationship, you become partially inscrutable to yourself. Similarly, as things, what that comes down to in the end, and I'm doing live analysis. I tried to do, I did some research on this and I couldn't find anything written about this. So we're, we're theory jamming here. So Similarly, like the thing that that is really happening there that creates that that desire to mourn is that the status quo is changing. Similar to growing up, you know, when you're a child, you know, there's a period where things don't really change, and then all of a sudden you hit like, you know, this this period where you're where you're forced to take on a little more responsibility, and then all of a sudden it's puberty, and then you're technically an adult. And how the fuck did this happen? And it it's disconcerting. It's alarming. It can happen remarkably fast and it throws people off, especially, and this is if you don't have to deal with something like being queer in an extremely Christian context, but also because Glenn is younger, he's prepubescent and Al is 16. So unless there's something physically amiss, she's probably going through puberty, which is something that we didn't cover this, but the movie does take some, does go to some lengths to demonstrate that she is in fact going through puberty. And like, I didn't need to know any of that. She's 16. I don't fucking care. So she's, she's going through puberty and like, she's got her friend group and they're diverging where before Glenn and Al were very close. So therein is different kind of loss, but that same relationality is changing and there is a mourning process that has to happen there. So we come back to the idea of becoming inscrutable to oneself in that. And then there's obviously the the heavy-handed queer metaphor where they came out of the closet after fighting a grody old man in there. And you know what? Have at. I don't care. Go for it. I think you had something else for us, Kyle. I did. So sometimes movies will get analyses that seem to be so far-fetched, but they are defensible. 
I always think that's very funny. I'll tell you about one after we stop recording. Ah, that's just for me. You, the people, don't get it. Where I wanted to, I chose to try and read this as an anti-colonialist movie. How'd that go? It is mildly defensible, but I don't think it then says anything, really. Yeah, the parallel is perhaps painfully obvious. Actually, sorry, I, I realize now thinking about it a little more, I was, there's like one key piece of information that makes it either colonialist or anti-colonialist. Mm-hmm. And they say that according to the dark book, the demons ruled over the land. And I don't remember right now if it said it like was their land or if they just ruled over it. So if it was just ruled over, this movie is pretty anti-colonialist. It was the 1980s. It was not anti-colonialist. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> no, I meant like incidentally. Yeah. But if it if it was their land, they got sealed away and especially by Christians. And the problem is that they're want to return. Oh, this is a colonialist ass movie. Yeah. So I guess it really depends on how you read The Time Machine, doesn't it? By H.G. Wells. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. This is absolutely a Morlocks versus Eloy thing. As if to make the metaphor more jarring, they live underground. Yeah. I'm going to say that like because of like the Christianity stuff that we've discussed, this is probably like a very colonialist movie. <laughs> yeah. Can we never talk about this movie again? That is a thing we can... I'll try my best. <laughs> and to my friend who was not able to join us today you chose well really dodged a bullet yeah you did holy crap but we'll we'll have her on it i I do have a question yes are you the kind of person who enjoys like schlocky horror it depends typically no because i find that especially like in the era of schlock horror there tends to be this desire to make it gross for no good reason okay yeah the reason I ask is, I don't know if this is one to even watch if you're into that. Like, I don't think this is worth putting on that. Watch it at two times speed. It'll only take 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. And, and it, it is it is very funny if you do that. But yeah, what I was going to say is like, Hellraiser is one of my favorite movies. The original one. The second one is pretty good. The third one is 90s schlock. And the fourth one is late 90s schlock, but in a good way. It prefigured the Matrix a little bit. And then, they, they, then, 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 boy, there are six more where that, seven more where that came from. Oh, and there definitely didn't need to be. Exactly. We want to move on to ratings. Please, for the love of everything decent in this universe, yes. Excellent. Sophia, would you like to start with enjoyability? One. Yeah. I yeah, can't. No. It's, 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 it's about a two and a half. Yep. This movie sucked a rancid ball sack. It was not good. It was, in effect, one of the fucking evangelical PSAs that I had to watch because I had a conspiracy theorist for a youth pastor as a kid. I will echo that. Well, I'll echo the number, exactly. I can't echo the rest. So, obscurity. This is tricky because, as you pointed out, this movie made bank somehow. But it also didn't really have staying power. I think not at all. As soon as the satanic panic ended, everybody was like, this is cringe. Eight. Yeah. I like that. Eight. 
Okay. Do eight. Yeah. I can go down to a seven and a half if you think that. No, no, eight's fine. Eight. Okay. Whatever gets us through the day. <laughs> <laughs> As we wrap up our episode, we end, of course, with our pop culture pop out, a piece of pop culture that we have been interested in as of late and want to talk about. Sophia, why don't you start us off? Sure. So I mentioned earlier in the why the fuck are we watching this turd intro that on my delightful Valentine's Galentine's thing, evening out, if you will, we went to see a Broadway show. And the Broadway show that we went to see was called The Play. Is it The Play That Goes Wrong or this? The Play That Goes Wrong. The Play That Goes Wrong. The Play That Goes Wrong. I thought it was funny, but it is a little one note. It does what it says on the tin. It's this Broadway company that's trying to stage a Victorian murder mystery and the everything everything goes wrong with the production. So it's an hour and a half long, could have been 45 minutes, much like this movie. But it was it was far more entertaining than this movie. This movie was sheer spectacle. This movie was like but in a the the show was sheer spectacle in a fun way. This movie was sheer spectacle in an oh my god, I have to know. I don't want to, but I have to know the context behind this absolutely insane series of occurrences. So, the play that goes wrong is my pop culture pop out for this week. If you're in New York or anywhere where it's playing, eh, check it out if you like. Kyle, now we're both gamers, right? Oh yes. So I'm sure you're familiar with Cuphead. I am. Netflix created a Cuphead TV show. No. Uh, God, why? Sorry, go ahead. I know, profitable IPs, whatever. However, as someone who appreciates animation, I really like watching it. The plot lines are not like all that special, but it is like, hey, let's recreate basically Max Fleischer cartoons in 2022. And I'm like, oh, this is incredible work. Yeah, so I, I've seen, I haven't seen the, the, I haven't seen any of the show, but like I enjoy the animation in the game. So that, that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Really fascinating. I'm about halfway through the series. It's, uh, they're 15 minute episodes. It's simple. You just get through it if you want. But like, honestly, I kind of appreciate the idea of like, hey, let's take this old out of fashion thing and recreate it for a new audience. Which is also why, like, if anyone does, like, swing music or big band music now, I always think that's so cool. Yeah. So you might actually like, oh, what's her name? Robin Adele Anderson, I think, on YouTube. Have to she check does. That out. Yeah, she does, like, I'll, I'll send you a couple links and we'll, you know what? Since I mentioned it, we'll put it in the show notes. Hell it's yeah. Fun. Sophia, where can people find you online? Well, I have a link tree. Big notes are I'm forever fucking on Twitter at Hamilcarinina, H-A-M-I-L-C-A-R-E-N-I-N-A, now known at, (laughs) my handle is now Zippy, the horny jail recidivist. (laughs) Instagram, Sophia H underscore MDT. I'm on Medium. Please, please, please subscribe to my Medium. Uh, Sophia Elena Maestatricht. Don't find me on Facebook. Kyle? I'm on Twitter at KyleTheGiggles. I am on Tumblr and Letterboxd under HebroHammer. That's all for now. Oh! One other thing, before I kind of like, before we continue on and fuck off into the ether, I do want to say that I very much enjoyed 
spoiler-free live tweeting this genuinely bad movie. And I might consider doing that, making that a thing on our brand new Twitter account. Yes, we collectively are on Twitter at Off the Film Path. Hell yeah. So check us out there. That'll be really cool. If you would like, there is a link at the bottom of our show notes where you can leave a voice message so that you can appear in a future episode, whether as a pop culture pop out or contributing to the movie or because we're coming up on our one year anniversary, leaving some like cues for us to a or any comments you want to make on that. So we'll be doing that beginning of April. Get those voice messages in. But in order to talk about the next movie, Sophia, what are we watching? Always be my maybe. <laughs> I was going to sing it, but I'm sick, so I'm not feeling it. Like right now, I want to go home and take a Black and Decker drill to my to my cheeks just to get the bricks of mucus out of my face. Sorry. Hmm. Gross. <laughs> yeah, it's very it's very bad. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word. Any other fun ways to get the word out? Look, man, my brain <laughs> doesn't work right now. <laughs> There's not enough room in my head for my brain. But thank you very much for listening. We will catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.